0: Hey. Chewies, mm, you want to watch that? They're addictive. You want one? Enabler. Uh, I got your messages. I tried to call you, but. Look at my pupils. Please tell me you didn't relapse.
1: I came this close, like properly. But no,
0: I survived it. Thanks to Debbie. You told Debbie. I only opened the can of all the worms. They just kept coming. I couldn't stop them. It's like Wormageddon.
1: to episode 120 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street catcher podcast that spent so much time doing notes this week that didn't have time to write a proper intro. I'm Gavin.
0: And like Abby, I had far too much cider last night.
1: Oh, you did? Did you?
0: Yeah, I drank most of that bottle.
1: <laughs> I had a glass out of it. It was very nice. <laughs> it was very but dry. But it's left my throat a little raggedy. <sighs>
0: yeah. I think we got the news that RBG was gone. (laughs) You might need to
1: explain who that is.
0: It's been two months since I've had any alcohol at all. No, good for you. And, uh, you know, because at first, in the beginning of quarantine, I was kind of like, fuck it. (laughs) I was drinking boxed wine like there was no tomorrow. But then you get to a point where it's like, You know what? There has been many a tomorrow, and this is not good for my body, so I stopped. Because cancer. I've got
1: coffee from last week sitting here. (laughs) I thought I'd finish that. I was looking at that, that, because it's in the styrofoam container, and I was thinking, I wish I'd got some of that this week. But I didn't drink it last week.
0: That's really fascinating. It has nothing to do with my... Emotional story here.
1: I've got unfinished coffee. He's such an asshole.
0: <laughs> but then Where's my benefit? <laughs> I made you hot, fresh coffee this morning. It's not
1: the same as a QD coffee, though. Yeah, it's I think better. you can buy the QD coffee. Oh, I love the QD coffee. Oh,
0: it's too sweet. Anyway. <laughs> but uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, may she rest in power passed away from pancreatic cancer last night and i was already not having a great week cuz it's it's the week where i have to see the most people and interact with the most people like face to face and i didn't get any walking done and it was just kind of a wreck already and we had smoke from the california fires over our house for like 3 days it was it's it's not been a great week. So I I finally I I had bought this um I bought a growler of hard cider and a bottle of hard cider from from a cider mill up the way um and ostensibly for you, especially the growler which we haven't even gotten to yet.
1: I keep on forgetting to. <laughs>
0: But I really wanted to buy apples because we didn't really have any fruit in the house, like fresh fruit. And I just, I'm like that. that I, I kind of need this tonight. <laughs> so.
1: It's just, a wee dog of uh, last week tonight with John Oliver that I feel sorry for. <laughs> and the cute sweet chihuahua uh, mm-hmm, representing Ruth mm-hmm, on his uh, Sup- Supreme Court of Dogs.
0: She'll have to be uh, retired to a farm upstate.
1: I just worry that they're going to put that dog down.
0: No, they're not going to put the dog down. Mm.
1: (laughs) HBO, you never know. Uh. So, my unfinished coffee then. (laughs) Lead balloon.
0: (laughs) It's been a shit week. Oh, and apparently uh, there was an earthquake, a really big earthquake in California this morning, so the whole state's on fire and now they're having earthquakes again.
1: So what we're saying is that Coronation Street picked a really, really bad week to go back to six episodes.
0: <laughs> this is true. I found this. Yeah, because you were <laughs> y- You were struggling this week, too. I mean, you didn't have subcommittee meetings or Girl Scouts to, to lead or, you know, Walks to not take, but you've been working very hard for like your real job.
1: Yeah, I've had a stuff lot. To
0: do. You've you've had to work overtime. Real. And that sucks in the best of times. Yeah. So you haven't really been out of this Mm-mm. office very much at all this week, and then our dish dishwasher is having issues again. Oh god! <laughs> and our hot water tank is leaking or something. It's gotten worse, by the way. Has you it... really need to call the Y-Track guy. Because
1: I'm the only one that can operate a fucking phone in this house, apparently.
0: <laughs> it's just been a shit week. All around.
1: Yeah. You know what talking about, Cornish? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, do I want to talk about a dying child and and abuse and and evil men trying to swindle people out of their homes? Sure.
1: I I genuinely worry uh, about how much I can be bothered to keep up doing notes for six episodes a week. You'll be fine. We we might be on the down.
0: <laughs> You'll be fine.
1: We we might have crested. And You'll be fine. And nobody noticed.
0: You'll be fine. I mean, I totally understand because I still haven't gotten it a thing out It's It takes so
1: long to write these notes now.
0: Poaching the bar to get poems for this month. So halfway
1: I through Wednesday and you think, this is what I did for the week. Yeah, I did this for a week.
0: Right. So, like, is, you're just not there mentally yet. It's like when school started back up, you know, and it's like, we didn't have to do this. And last spring, we didn't have to do it as seriously. But now we have to do it seriously. You know? I don't know.
1: And I felt like on Friday as well, that you're, or like I'm, watching a scene, get to the end of the scene, can't remember how the scene started, <laughs> have to go back and watch the scene again, realise that nothing much happened and I didn't really have to mention any of it. And that happened more than once. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. My memory's just fucking... Short these days.
0: Sounds like it. We uh, <laughs> were so cheerful this morning.
1: Yeah. Up to September, <laughs> <laughs> i preamble. Let's get this. Let's, let's get this done, <laughs> and we can go on with our lives. Our and sad, miserable little lives. Pretend that none of this happened.
0: Pretend the world's okay. Mm-hmm. We're not all fucked. <laughs>
1: Give us some of that fucking coding
0: <laughs> Filming was halted after an actor tested positive for COVID nineteen. The unnamed actor is self isolating and a deep cleaning has been done and filming resumed on Monday. So it seems like it was it was the briefest pause they could possibly do.
1: They made a very big deal of it in the papers. That It was like, oh, there's been an outbreak. I like it was going to threaten the recording schedules again. And then you read it was like, oh, it's one unnamed person
0: mm-hmm.
1: who's been in contact with two other people, apparently.
0: Yeah, but who have those two people been in contact with? Mm. You know, I. it makes me nervous when, when it, they seem to kind of downplay it a little bit like the news the news media is not downplaying it but the showrunners seem to be downplaying it a little bit and that makes me nervous well
1: what's the opposite of that making it a a huge deal and getting everyone worried is that what you want Helen? you want panic? no panic, Helen. is that what you want? because that's what it sounds like you want
0: listen Tucker Carlson (laughs) shut your pie hole over there no, I just, it seems like they would take a couple of days off more and, you know, make sure that nobody else has it. And I don't know.
1: Maybe they're doing
0: that. Yeah. I Always know.
1: thinking the worst. I
0: don't know. It's just. I,
1: You're right. You don't know.
0: There's so many places. And I mean, cases just keep going up and it doesn't seem like anybody cares anymore. And that makes me very nervous.
1: No, no one gives a shit. I was driving through town on Wednesday when we have a... This, I don't know if, if this is official or how this started, but there's a car show every Wednesday yeah, night. Yeah, it's
0: unofficial. The city has nothing to do with it, On Main really. Street. <clears throat> they, they, get the guys, they get the guys who play their guitar and sing over in Hamlin Square, which I don't think they're doing right now because singing is a super spreader.
1: <laughs> so people come from far and wide... And parked the car on Main Street so you can't get parked on Main Street. I was I was going to uh, Dollar General or yeah. Dollar Store. Yeah, Family get, Dollar. Right. Because Dollar Could, General is
0: the one outside of town. I uh, couldn't
1: get parked outside of it <clears throat> because of all these people that come from far and wide to park their classic Corvettes and Stingrays and pop, And then sit in lawn pop, chairs. And just stare at their car.
0: And, and... With, and sit really close to one another with no masks
1: nobody had a mask on and the pavement or the sidewalk rather they, they were crammed it was the busiest I've ever seen it mm-hmm. yeah nobody had a mask meanwhile thanks very much everyone meanwhile cases now take your fucking car and get to fuck
0: meanwhile cases in our county are going up by like 10 every day and nobody seems to want to talk about it and the big 10 is having football games again which is just gonna be a fucking disaster Sorry. Anyway, anyway to back, back, to, to <laughs>
1: back to whatever we're talking about. Coordination Street.
0: Street. Um Street. Shumna Galati, who played Sanita on the show, has revealed that she named Asha after her mother, who was suffering from dementia at the time. Shumna is currently uh, writing a book about her mother, uh, who died last November. So it's very interesting that the show allowed her to name her twins.
1: She got to name the characters? Yeah,
0: she got to name them. She named them because huh. her, her mother was named Asha. And she just told this heartbreaking story about, you know, watching the show with her mother. And Asha would come on and they'd say the name Asha. And her mother's eyes would just like light up because there was just like this shred of recognition that Asha was her name as well while huh. she was suffering from dementia and everything. So, yeah, heartbreaking stuff. But it's it's nice that she had... She was able to share those moments with her mother before before she passed. So she was out sort of promoting this book that hasn't been published yet, but that she is currently working on. So that should be interesting. I look forward to seeing it when it comes out.
1: The third item is going to be Cheery, isn't it? Yes. Oh.
0: Finally, well deserved news is Molly Gallagher, a.k.a. Nina, has been nominated for Best Newcomer in the Inside Soap Awards. Well deserved, and we look forward to seeing her win. Yes. Because honestly, who else are they going to give it to? She's fantastic. I love Nina. Nina's the best. She's a breath of fresh air. I'd
1: like if uh, she had her own story going on at the moment, but the way that she's kind of taking the little.
0: She, she's gluing the, the street together.
1: She, yep. Everything is kind of, she's a conduit to all the storylines. She's a kind of central hub to passing out advice left and right. She's taking after her uncle. Well, exactly. I think that's what they're, they're doing is. Yeah. Roy, Roy not being there, Nina is kind of taking, taking his place. I'll be, next week, Nina will be offering advice to Leanne and right. Steve, yeah. probably. <laughs> <coughs> Very good. Our mailbag, Sally sent us a quick request. If you make a t-shirt that says doesn't work at the factory or similar, I'd love to get one. And I meant to do that. Yeah. And we talked about doing that. Yeah. And I didn't do it.
0: So have <clears> you done <throat> it now? <coughs> is there one now? Not yet. Well, get on that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so you can phone the fucking HVAC guy then. Oh. I have to say, socially distanced, Corey is annoying. It's weird when two people who are supposed to be a couple standing on opposite sides of the room, like Mar- Maria and Gary at their wedding, can't interact. And I was kind of fine with this to start with.
0: Mm -hmm. It's
1: becoming, it seems to be becoming more obvious as opposed to less obvious. And I think, I think what's drawn my attention to it now is the kind of haphazard way they have of the application and removal of masks seems to be, there doesn't seem to to be any rule to it.
0: No. No. People walk in wearing a mask and then take it off to talk to people that they don't live with.
1: Right. And then some people don't. And then some people are wearing it outside.
0: And some people aren't. Yeah. It doesn't
1: seem to be any rule, which I guess is mirroring society.
0: Yes. (coughs) This is true. It's just when doctors do it that it's like, wait a second.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Godass, are you really doing what it looks like you're doing? Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it corner.
0: Bloop, 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 bloop.
1: I realised last week that I answered your question about Bond girls incorrectly. I thought you asked who my favourite Bond girl was, but you asked my favourite Bond girl name. And because I had a wee crush on Denise Richards, that's what led me to Christmas Jones, which isn't a great name by well, any measure.
0: Well, it's, it's kind of funny because she only comes once a year.
1: Well, so so I imagine. Yeah. Well, let me rephrase that. <laughs> it's, no, fine. It, it's fine. It's fine. So my favourite names would have to be something like Plenty O'Toole from Diamonds Are Forever or Holly Goodhead from Moonraker. Plenty O'Toole probably has to take it because Plenty isn't a real name.
0: No.
1: And now, this.
0: Welcome,
1: welcome, welcome. Welcome to Last Year Tonight, This Morning, with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to talk about the Queen of Hearts. This was Mary's view of Princess Diana. Ugh. Mm. Oh. I was Gavin, and you were freshly coiffed.
0: I was. I haven't been freshly coiffed in like six (laughs) months.
1: (laughs) Quite some time.
0: Yes. My hair is longer than it's been in ten years.
1: Yeah. Kel showed up. That was fun. Daniel insisted to Sinead that she resumes her treatment. James comes out to Bethany. Ali's addicted to pain meds now and finds an ally in Toya. Both Ryan and Derek happily get in the way of Hardman Gary's master plan. Jenny and Johnny's anniversary isn't spent with Jenny drunk in a hotel room on her own this year. Mad Max's issues continue to fester. Remember Mad Max?
0: Yeah. That was a year ago. Yeah. We haven't seen really any of the kids. No.
1: Steve's new haircut is better than anyone could have hoped for and moment of the week was Beth and Sinead planning the purge and boring moment of the week was Ken and Claudia telling Aggie that they can't come to Ed's party. And that was Coronation Street and the talk of the street this time last year.
0: Fascinating stuff, Queen of Hearts. <sighs> what did you call Princess Di?
1: You don't want to know.
0: <laughs> so Scottish.
1: All I remember about that was I woke up on the Sunday morning and me and my girlfriend were due to go into work to do overtime and we never really turned on the television in the morning but for some reason we turned it on that morning and we got the news that she was dead. I said, oh, that's a shame. And then drove into work (laughs) and realised that everyone at work was like, oh, that's a shame, apart from one person who was (laughs) bawling. Balling the eyes out and calling for there was supposed to be a a, a football a Scottish football game on the Wednesday I think mm-hmm. this was on the Sunday mm-hmm. and her body's still in France mm-hmm. and this bawling person was insisting that the game must be called off and that just got me wound up <laughs> and that's kind of formed my opinion of the whole thing since mm-hmm. then and I also remember. Can I picked a I also remember uh, a guy uh, for ITV News who was standing in a line to uh, sign the book of condolence that they had, uh-huh. and the line was so long that he was standing there for twelve hours. <laughs> and he said at the end, "And once I got to the front, I didn't know what to write. And <laughs> like, you had twelve fucking hours to think about what to write." <laughs> oh, just.
0: I thought it was a hoax.
1: The country just went. Bonkers. Well, sections of the country. Well, went bonkers.
0: Mm-hmm. A part of the kingdom went
1: bonkers. Well, I'm sure there was people that were upset about it. Yeah. In other places, but there was just a section just went.
0: I was driving. <clears throat> I was driving to work at Red Lobster, and you know, and and uh, the DJ on the radio started talking about it. And I thought it was a hoax. I was like, "Well, that's not very funny," because I thought he was making a, a a joke. And and it wasn't a joke. I watched the funeral, though. I watched Elton John sing uh, "England's Rose." I did not. I watched the wedding too, and I was really, really tiny. I have I a was memory young. of watching that. I was quite young, but I remember watching it quite early in the morning.
1: I have. Well, it must have been because I remember getting woken up by my mum who was telling me it was about to start <laughs> and I came downstairs and I watched it and nothing was happening so I just went back to my bed <laughs> and that was about maybe 10 or 11 o'clock. Yeah. I think they maybe got married at noon.
0: Yeah. I just remember that veil. That was a mighty veil and train.
1: Anyway, we've got enough to fucking be talking about without <laughs> all this. Shall we dive in, with dear?
0: Yes, please. Timbot 4000 says this six episodes a week pishes for the birds.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree.
0: Maybe somebody else needs to get coronavirus on on in the cast and then and then maybe they'll go back.
1: Our first storyline this morning is Oliver. And my notes for this, I think, are about as long as my notes are usually for a week.
0: That's, oh, fine. that's Is that's it fine? fine? It's fine. It's mighty. It's fine. Isn't this also the last story of the week? No. Who's the last story of the
1: week? Uh, Kev and Deb and Abby.
0: Oh, that's right. And I got really mad at Kev, which we'll talk about eventually.
1: On Monday, Nick is talking Natasha on Friends Connect in the factory. Well, uh, when Sarah comes in and asks about Oliver, Leanne is by his side, morning, noon, and night. Says Nick, and he can't do it. He needs a break. Sarah leaves him to it, and Nick is back on Friends Connect and is now looking at birthday photos of Natasha's son, Sam.
0: Mm -hmm. Who doesn't look anything like Nick
1: Not so much At the hospital, Steve and Leanne are chatting about Toya's assessment And how she won't be visiting today because of it Not to worry, once the tubes are out, Oliver will will be home And Steve clutches his collar a wee bit
0: Yeah There was a lot of collar clutching around Leanne this week
1: Yeah, Toya's home with some flowers And is appalled to find uh, Imran lounging around (laughs) in his own filth Listening to music she likens the flat to a rave on the landfill site. You want, you want to come to our house once in a the while then? <gasps> Imran agrees to tidy up, and Toya is stressed out over tits about her assessment. Karen wants to talk about Susie. Imran advises telling the truth. It's the easiest for everyone. So later, Steve and Leanne are chatting about missing the holiday. Steve doesn't mind too much, as he doesn't like driving. You're a taxi driver, says Leanne.
0: <laughs> right, yeah, It's it's like a like a chef doesn't like to cook at home because right. that's his job.
1: He prefers the bits in between just sitting in the car, eating pasties and staring at space. <laughs> the doc comes in uh, and they're going to seduce, they're going to reduce the medication and if that goes well, get them tubes out. What?
0: He said seduce the medication at first.
1: That's what's, that's what's written down, Seduce. <laughs> Meanwhile, Nick has found Natasha's phone number. He wants to meet up to talk about his son, and Natasha immediately hangs up on him. With the assessment, Karen is asking some tough questions. They need to know that Toya will be able to let go of a kid that they managed to place elsewhere. Toya is very honest. It doesn't sound very good that Toya went down that route on an offhand comment from Eva. Toya doesn't think this about completing herself anymore. She's accepted that she's complete now, without her own kid. This doesn't define her anymore, and she has a lot to give. And I thought that was really good.
0: It was really nice.
1: I liked how they didn't skirt around it, because it looked like they were going to. Mm-hmm. With the whole initial assessment thing, where it sounded like the Susie thing wasn't going to be a problem. And right. you're thinking, well, it should be a problem. This should be something that people quiz her about. Right, yeah. This did. should
0: have been part of the first assessment, not, right. you know, now.
1: And she had a good response to it. She
0: did have a very good response to it, you know. And, I mean, it's not like it's not like she was Jenny. Stealing somebody else's kid, you know, this is something that she and Eva, you know, cooked up together, and it was Eva's kid, and Eva was fine with it at first, or she thought she was going to be. Yeah. So there was a
1: huge amount of deceit to everyone else around about it, but right. at the core of it, there was an agreement, right,
0: <laughs> between the actual mother and right. Yeah. So I like
1: to way that a whole uh, definition of toy. I thought that uh, came across very well.
0: This is this is why I can't even. Consider like fostering animals. I can't. I can't imagine giving time to a living creature and then having to let it go.
1: And mm. the flat Nick is on the phone to Leanne and is halfway out the door when Natasha shows up and just wanders in, apparently a delivery of man mm-hmm. up the stairs. Yeah, still tangled up in Gail's apron strings. Uh, she says, "It's a long story," says Nick. Uh, she came round to certain Street. He admits to snooping online. She says Sam isn't his son. She met someone called Andy after she left and got knocked up. They're still together. It was a fairy tale. Just like this story, says Nick. There is no Andy. Friends connect confirmed that she isn't in a relationship. So let's start again.
0: Right, yeah. It, I don't like, I don't, I don't, I don't like this. Because, you know, he's like basically yelling at her calling her a liar until she tells him what he wants to hear. And then all of a sudden she's not a liar anymore. And it's like, oh, see, well, this confirms that it's Nick's kid. No. No. When you're a woman. Helen, Helen. No, 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 no. I just. The way that they did it. Every woman in the world has been in a situation where she's trying to tell a man something And the man is insisting that what she's saying isn't true and starts yelling at her and berating her and threatening her until she tells the man what he wants to hear. And then he stops. And that's exactly what happened here. So even if it really is Nick's kid, the way they framed it, you know, with him stalking her online and insisting the only way she could possibly have had this child is if it's his child, it's just really icky and uncomfortable. Is what I'm saying.
1: Even if she is lying.
0: Right. Well, she could be lying either way. If we're saying this woman is a liar, she lies all the time, she's a psycho. Well, I the wouldn't say no, but just well, say that she's a liar. Sarah calls her that.
1: I think she'd be, she had psychotic behavior in the past.
0: Right. Yeah. But when... To say, oh, this person can't be trusted until that person tells you what you want to hear, and then all of a sudden this person can be trusted... Eh, you know? It's just, I don't know. At anyway. the
1: hospital, Leanne and Steve are arguing over whether Old MacDonald was a suitable bedtime story. Song. Or song. Steve thinks it was. Leanne starts singing what she claims to be Oliver's favourite, You Are My Sunshine. Mm-hmm. So she starts singing and Steve uh, is asked to join in and he reluctantly agrees until Leanne says, this is for Oliver, it's heartbreaking. And they stop before the Please Don't Take My Sunshine away bit. That was quite upsetting.
0: Yes. I used to sing that to the kids. What was
1: I crying at last night?
0: (laughs) What weren't you crying (laughs) at last night?
1: (laughs) I think it was a Rahusapu.
0: The one thing that's supposed to make you happy. I think it
1: might have been Richard Herring's podcast. What was it? Oh, anyway. It doesn't matter. Anyway. Back at the flat, Natasha admits Nick is Sam's father, but. Not his dad. She's unsurprised to learn that he's now with Leanne, and Nick explains the current setup and he loves Oliver and it's killing him watching him suffer. He cares about Natasha and Sam, but it's a lot to take in. Natasha says that he was the one who picked at the scab, and Nick wants to speak to Leanne and get back to her. She wants him she wants him it's either a hundred percent in or a hundred percent out. Take your pick. Mm-hmm. At the hospital, the doctor has Steve and Leanne in their office. Oliver is seizing again, and without sedation, he's going to have them constantly. They're out of control and will never go away naturally. Life support is the only thing keeping them alive. Leanne and Steve ask questions, but the message is clear. This is it. Mm. Leanne goes off to be with her son. Back at the flat, Imran comes home to find Toya day drinking. He reckons that it must have went badly, but Toya does that thing where you make out that something's happened, but actually the opposite thing has happened. Mm. Karen will be strong, strongly recommending that they get her approved. Toya, Toya was honest like he advised. And then Leanne calls. Oh, there's a sparkle gone from their day. Mm. Nick is at the hospital now. Leanne thinks that the doctors have given up, but she refuses to do so. He advises tact, but she's not in the mood to listen. They're trying to kill her son, she says. Then Tracy's at the hospital trying to make things better. Mm. Steve says that they've come up with a strategy, but uh, Tracy says that there's no hope. Steve wants to get experts involved. Tracy points out that the doctor is an expert, and in the ICU, Leanne is looking uh, for third, fourth, and fifth opinions until they can find someone who can save her son. Nick doesn't think there's a medical cure out there. Leanne thinks they need to look harder and spend every penny until they find one.
0: Yep, once again... You know, we're we're gonna keep asking until somebody tells us what we want to hear.
1: Mhm. Mhm. But this is, is this one okay?
0: No, because it's Leanne. No. Okay. Uh, no, because it's just gonna cause more suffering for that poor child, and also they're going to be ripped off.
1: Yeah, it's a difficult situation, obviously. Yes. But I don't think at this point in the week that Leanne's hearing what anybody's telling her. No. Because they're basically saying, "Your your boy's essentially dead at the moment. Mm-hmm. There's nothing or that if, we're going to yeah. do. If if we took him off the uh, life oh.
0: support, he's he's going to die. Mm-hmm. And nothing, you know, he's beyond saving.
1: And she's not hearing that.
0: And anything else we try to do is just going to prolong his suffering.
1: Right. On Wednesday, Nick is up lo- loading his shitty car with paperwork, but makes a hash of it causing him to become more flustered. Also, he's on the f- phone to gale so, you know. Hmm. Leon is chatting to Oliver about oh I hated that. Tar.
0: Oh and then, and then he yells he yells at Mary who tries to help him. That was mean. Poor Mary. She gets yelled at a lot this week.
1: Yes. Oliver is chatting to Oliver about all the other sick looking kids in the hospital like the one who needs a heart transplant how come they're all trying to help him and they're not trying to help oliver because the situations aren't the same right yeah (laughs) the doctor says a specialist is coming in today to make sure that they haven't missed anything a second opinion at last says leanne leanne is quick to leap on it as a different opinion equals a better opinion the doctor reminds her that oliver is a very very sick boy and she says that she knows that Later, Nick is there and Leanne is thinking that because Oliver doesn't look unwell, this second opinion is bound to be good news. Then Nick has some news of, of his own. He's been digging around on the internet and has found a German hospital who treats kids like Oliver with some experimental treatment. It's always it's always Germany. Mm. Leanne, li- knew it. Leanne knew it and leaps on this now. She rushes off to tell Steve, leaving Nick clutching his mask. So Leanne is alone, reading her wee pamphlet when a woman comes in. It's a woman who is the mother of the kid who needs a heart transplant, wouldn't you know it? And they found a heart and the consultant is uh, thinking that there's going to be a decent chance that this boy is going to lead a normal life and they're going to operate today. Yay! Says this exposition woman who just Mm -hmm. then wanders away and leaves Leanne with her thoughts. Leanne has arranged a phone consultancy with a Dr. Schmitz from this German hospital. Apparently he'll come over to get all of Oliver's medical history and give him him an examination. Then the British doctor comes in and asks to speak to them in 20 minutes' time. They've got the second opinion. They found that Oliver can't breathe on his own, he will never be able to, and there's irreversible brain damage coming from the seizures. It's about time to talk about switching off the life support. The doctor continues to paint a very bleak uh, picture of the future for Oliver while Leanne refuses to accept that there's nothing that they can do and they're just going to let him die. Meanwhile, Steve is more upset that he'll never get a chance to say goodbye. I thought that was quite interesting the, mm. the kind of the, the pragmatic and uh, idealistic approaches that Steve and Leanne are showing right. separately. That Steve is very much thinking
0: very pragmatically
1: of the this is what I would, this is what I'm not going to be able to do. Right. Poor Leanne is still in denial, and yeah, you know,
0: and typically it's the other way around that Leanne is the more sensible parent here,
1: yeah. Steve's the more grounded one,
0: yeah. Who'd have thunk? Mm-hmm.
1: So, it this is quite is wh-
0: heartbreaking, though, you know, what Steve says about not going to be able to say goodbye because he's too far gone to say goodbye,
1: mm-hmm. he's never going to wake up, no. And this is when Leanne brings up the foreign doctor plan. The doc understands that Leanne wants to explore every avenue, but Oliver really is all kinds of fucked here. Leanne still refuses to accept that they can help other wee boys, but not hers. The doc goes through some of the things that Oliver has in his future, but Leanne doesn't want to talk about it anymore until she's spoken with Herr Schmitz. She and Steve need to stay strong. Dr. Schmidt. Yeah. I fancied seeing her. Mm.
0: Leanne
1: fills Nick in on the doctor... Schmidt's thing, calling it the single most important thing that Nick's ever done for her. No matter how much it costs, or how long it takes, they're going to help Oliver. She doesn't know what she would do without him, and then in the next breath, he has to leave to take care of something at the factory, leaving her alone. Right. <laughs> it's the the way that Ben Price is playing this, or the way that the, the Nick character is playing this, is um, it kind of catches you a little bit, because he looks Kind of distraught and upset, and like his mind's going at a million miles an hour about the Oliver thing, but but it isn't really, it's or really, it is at least partly, it, but yeah, it is, it's
0: also about the Sam thing,
1: right? And she's interpreting it as his reaction to the Oliver thing because she mm-hmm. doesn't know about the Sam thing. But the reason why Nick's upset isn't the reason why you think Nick's upset, or at least not 100% of it, right? And like, I Kind of kept on catching myself thinking that, oh, next, next playing the, uh the upset stepdad, really, really well here,
0: hmm.
1: and he is playing, he's playing something well, but it's not the upset stepdad, or at least not a hundred percent that. Yeah, it's quite interesting. It's not just that, right? So later, <laughs> later. Leanne has Dr. Schmitz on the speakerphone and it sounds very much like it's Nick in the factory doing a German accent.
0: (laughs) They have ways of making you talk.
1: It is. is the the German Timbot that's Uh. on the phone. He asks about the medication and Leanne uh, paints a far rosier picture of how Oliver was getting on at home. Steve looks on with disbelief. Dr. Schmitz asks how frequent the seizures were. How frequent are the seizures uh, at home? And Leanne again downplays it. The doctor thinks it seems like Oliver is a prime candidate for the treatment. One wonders if he knows anything about the current condition of the kid. And he's about to find out. So he'll speak with the consultant and then fly out, which for which there will be a fee. And Leanne doesn't care, and nor does she care when Steve asks how much the treatment will cost. So Nick's back at the hospital and phones Natasha, and later they meet back at the flat. Nick explains about Oliver in the hospital turning off the life support, so this isn't a great time to start a relationship with his son. Natasha understands. She and looks very, relieved, yeah Nick doesn 't want Sam to think that he doesn 't care if things were different, says Nick. she wants to give him a card that Sam made, and Nick very sensibly asks Natasha to keep a hold of it because if he had that card, yeah you are about a pound to a penny that Liam was going to find it. yeah, good luck, Natasha says as she leaves and outside in the hospital, outside the um the office. Steve needs to talk about Leanne lying to the doctor. He's considering to give treatment under false pretences, says Steve, but Leanne doesn't care. They're in a nightmare right now. And then Leanne gets a text from our Bavarian doctor friend. The treatment is going to cost half a million pounds.
0: Yeah, 500,000 pounds. That's a lot.
1: For a for a boy who's like 99% dead.
0: Uh, one One wonders... Because he says he has to speak to Oliver's actual doctors who are treating him right now right. first. One would think that they would tell him, Yeah, this isn't this isn't worth coming over for. Right. But it doesn't seem like he's talked to them yet all no, week.
1: Not yet. I would have thought they would have talked to
0: the doctors first. First. Yeah. Yeah. It's very fishy.
1: Because this is just some guy that Nick's found on the internet.
0: Right. With a weird German accent.
1: I was (laughs) I was almost convinced it was Ben Price that was doing that German voice. And I thought, the fact that they're not in the same room Uh wouldn't this be an interesting twist? And why would Nick be doing that? Why would Nick be impersonating a German (laughs) doctor? To what end?
0: To give her false hope.
1: That would have been a complete
0: that would be a, a bonkers if it if bonkers <laughs> if true.
1: <laughs> on Friday, Leanne is asleep in Oliver's room and so misses Steve's text, checking on things. At home, Steve is has, has explained to Emma about the treatment. It's expensive, half a million expensive. Emma claims to be an expert fundraiser. She did a group hide-and-seek at school, 50 kids, and she was the last one found. Her dad was about to call the police. It was so late. Mm. And the, the underlying... Mm-hmm. Uh, unspoken part of that story is no one was looking for emma yeah no. which is kind of sad tracy encourages steve to tell us who's still in spain and after emma leaves tracy asks steve why he's been so weird about the treatment and he says it's not the money it's just that leanne lied through her pie to get the specialist and he doesn't want to get people's hopes up leanne tells him to get this sorted with leanne uh, tracy. Tracy, t- <laughs> tracy tells him to get this sorted with leanne at the hospital leanne is explaining to toy about how she's worried about nick he puts on a front that he's coping, but she can tell that he's not, and he's not speaking to her. And Toya seems to be a bit put out that he isn't spending every moment at the hospital. So Toya catches up with Nick at the factory. She tells him that Leanne knows that he's bolting his feelings up. Relationships break down under these sort of pressures and Sarah agrees. Toya goes back to work and Nick explains to Sarah about Natasha and Sam. Sarah quickly ch- uh, checks her mental choropedia for a retcon and comes to the conclusion that this is a scam. He explains about the real pregnancy right after the fake one. He's explained to Natasha that he can't be yeah. Sam's dad which right now. Which also doesn't make sense. And Lehan sense. must never know. What doesn't make sense?
0: That she would have like this fake pregnancy.
1: Well, that's what she told him, wasn't it?
0: And then have a real one immediately after, which is also his kid when they're, they were having this huge blow up about the fake pregnancy and broke up mm-hmm. shortly thereafter. Yeah. Yeah. Something's not right here. It does not add up.
1: And you're. Are you still still of the opinion that it's Steve's?
0: Not not necessarily, but I don't think it's Nick's either. Right. I don't think he is Nick's. I'm sorry. Because we are Sam identifies as a boy, so. He's not an it. Even if he didn't identify as a boy, he wouldn't be an it.
1: What are you talking about?
0: I called Sam it. Oh, who cares? I do.
1: Sarah thinks Nick will regret walking away from his son, Leah. Nick can't even say the word son at the moment. Sarah says that he has two years before teenage shutdown, but Nick, quite rightly, I reckon, thinks Leanne would hate him for it. It's one thing toy going through that fossing thing, but for Nick to pull out a secret son right now, yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. Sarah describes her family as a weird jigsaw puzzle, and Sam would just be another part. Leanne will understand... And she will be furious when she finds out later. If she finds out later. Well, when she finds out later.
0: Right, yeah. Right. Yeah, Yeah, there was a weird
1: bit there where where Sarah and Nick are talking. And Nick, I think for the first time that I can remember, well, the first time in a long time, refers to Oliver as his stepson rather than his son. Mm. It's like this actual son has now put up a little barrier between Nick and Oliver.
0: Oliver. It also sad. could be coping with with grief that makes him do that as well. Mm-hmm. Taking a step back because this child is dying. Which mean, everybody knows but Leanne. Yeah.
1: Meanwhile, Emma's dancing behind the bar reckoning that she can do that for 24 hours to raise money but then she breaks a glass and nearly breaks her neck and Jenny reckons that maybe the customers could vote on her charitable 24 hour event of what it's going to be. Tracy catches up with a glorious Dr. Gadas, who was particularly glorious, I thought, on Friday.
0: Well, until she took her mask off. <laughs> ex- That's
1: so cruel and unnecessary.
0: No, no, I, be- I don't mean it that way.
1: Oh, okay. She was looking fabulous. Yeah, it's, and explains about the hospital wanting to turn off Oliver's life support. Would they do that if there was a chance of recovery? And Gadass confirms that these doctors are parents themselves, probably. And they wouldn't suggest it if they thought there was any other avenue that they haven't explored. And Tracy nods, because that's what she reckoned. Steve joins Leanne in Oliver's room, and they discuss if he's dreaming. Dinosaurs and ice cream, Steve reckons. Leanne yeah. knows that Steve is pissed about or lying, but this treatment must be good at the this place. not dreaming. No. Leanne knows that Steve is pissed about online, but this treatment must be good at this price. And mm-hmm. maybe Oliver will be the breakthrough kid. They mm-hmm. need to try, right? And Steve doesn't answer, but tells Oliver that he can't promise dinosaurs, but he'll get all the ice cream he wants as soon as he's ready. In heaven. Right, which is what I kind of expected them to say, and I almost <laughs> wrote. Back in the Rovers, Emmet's practicing being silent. Jenny explains it's that or dancing.
0: I wonder if there are dinosaurs in heaven.
1: Craig says do the hardest one or do them both Nick meets Leanne at the hospital she thinks that he's been a bit distant which, which makes it a lonelier experience for her and then comes Gadass to see how things are going and explains her conversation with Tracy about there being nothing that anyone could do for Oliver and Leanne does not react well to this no. and Gadass is kind of oops I'm sorry makes her excuses and leaves at the hospital Leanne and Tracy have a confrontation about Gadass and Tracy tells Leanne that Steve isn't sure about the treatment either Privately, Tracy wonders if Steve now thinks that this secret experimental gem treatment is for Oliver. Is for Oliver? Or is it for him and Leanne? Yeah. This is a fantastic point.
0: (laughs) Well done, Tracy.
1: Who is now the moral compass in the story. (laughs)
0: No, what? (laughs) What? How did that happen?
1: Elsewhere, Nick tries to calm Leanne, who is furious at Steve, acting one way in front of her and another way in front of Tracy, saying sometimes it's hard for people to be honest. She's about to press him on this when Steve comes in and uh, he's been the best Steve that he can be. They need to be honest with Dr. Schmitz. He will always have Oliver's back, but refuses to see him suffer through anything unnecessary because of their lies. And sad, Leanne nods. Mm -hmm. So she calls the doctor and comes clean. And it sounds like it hasn't changed anything. And he still plans to examine Oliver himself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This...
1: This is my experience of American medicine. They will check anything that you want them to check, whether they think that you need it or not. They will prescribe you any medication, whether you think that you want it or not, because at the end of the day, they're getting paid for it. And the more that they can write, the more they get paid.
0: That's very cynical of you. It
1: is absolutely my experience. That time that I went in to get my uh, ingrown toenail removed, uh-huh. She wanted to do the same on the other toe. There was nothing wrong with the other toe. The other toe was fine. The other toe is still fine. She wanted to do the same. Because they trimmed down the edges. Mm-hmm. Made the toe toenails thinner. Mm-hmm. She wanted to do that to the other toe. I didn't ask her to do it. Mm-hmm. She said, well, I'll balance them up.
0: Which mm-hmm. is true. It would balance them up.
1: There's no, there's no medical need for that to happen.
0: Yeah. It just makes it look pretty.
1: No, it doesn't. It, make, it makes it look, if anything makes me have two ugly toes as opposed to one, <laughs> just so she could get an extra put they'd probably charge maybe two or three hundred bucks for that, yeah insurance
0: would pay it though probably i don't
1: know they get paid that's the bottom line they get paid that daughter gets paid they will they will give you anything you want
0: if mm, you go in not anything and not everything
1: well if it, if you wanted uh
0: I've had to fight tooth and nail to get treated for things that I actually knew I had. Mm. So. I no, don't know. That,
1: that the private medical industry is just so fucked up.
0: It does it does seem very odd though that the doctor's like well the seizures really have nothing to do with it when the seizures absolutely have everything, absolutely to, do have everything mm-hmm. to do with it is, is my issue with this.
1: So, everyone's relieved, and Tracy catches Steve on his own. She was listening at the door and thinks it's odd that they didn't ask more questions. Tracy isn't the first person to suggest they could find the money somewhere, which is remarkable because it's like half a million. If you could find that somewhere, why haven't you found it somewhere already?
0: Well, they but didn't have anything to pay for it, to pay half a million for.
1: If you have means to get half a million easily and you don't do it,
0: well, if you have no reason to. They can they can get it by like fundraising and stuff and, and begging their neighbours and guilting their neighbours into
1: Tracy thinks the doctors would want to be sure. There's more hopes more hoops to go through, says Steve. This is just the start. And later Leanne thanks Nick for keeping how he felt about her lying to the German doctor and protecting her, otherwise she'd have felt totally abandoned. And Nick nods and seems to think, German doctor? <laughs>
0: Is that his, what we're talking about?
1: His mind is on Sam a right. little bit, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And that's as far as we get with that. And Oh my God, that was epic. Okay. And that took... Oh! That didn't take as long as I thought it was going to take.
0: Oh, well, good. Let's move on.
1: Well, we want to talk a little bit about this, don't we?
0: I... I... I am... I am fearful that this whole German doctor thing is a... is a scam. And... You know... It's a pointless
1: scam. It's like well, you, once once I, I, the
0: German doctor gets the money, then he can just disappear
1: with a suitcase. He's,
0: he's in he's, another country. He's running and away also, with
1: a suitcase with with pound pound notes falling out of it. And also,
0: there's a pandemic on. We can't get Liz back from Spain, and I know that there's like real life reasons why we can't get Liz back from Spain, but this German doctor can hop back and forth. No. Uh, no. No. What was I going to say? My hope is that something awful happens, that makes Leanne realize that this poor child is suffering, and she finally agrees to turn off the machines.
1: Well, the doctor can't make it for a few weeks. He says. Right. So. Lots can happen. We to You think this is going to get child. better in a few
0: weeks? No. It kind, of,
1: kind of reminded me of my mum when it, she was in the hospital in Glasgow and she was so sick that they couldn't move her 26 miles to Falkirk to be closer to her friends and her family. Right. Because she wouldn't have survived the the ambulance ride. What,
0: That's what, 20 how, miles? Right. Yeah.
1: Half an hour. That's how sick she was. And I get the impression that, that Oliver is as sick and is getting sicker.
0: If not more sick... So, and they're going to fly him to Germany during a pandemic? No.
1: <laughs> or are they going to do the treatment in Weatherfield? But and if so, are the Weatherfield doctors going to allow this to happen? Because this is
0: right. And how long this is weird? How long is that hospital in Weatherfield going to allow them to stay in that room with the life support that they have already said? is not helping. How far does the NHS go in this situation? Uh, there, have been,
1: there have been many heartbreaking cases like this where where the the hospital or the doctors have had to go to get the court right. to agree to turn off against the parents' wishes and, right. and you know I, you can I, you yeah. can be sympathetic about those sort of situations but but you have to ask why aren't you listening to doctors' opinions and I guess what, what, if you're in this situation, I'm sure it becomes completely different. But
0: right, but yeah, being I mean, a kind this... of
1: impartial outsider looking in on those sort of situations and trying to have a not a, a dispassionate right uh, view on matters, that's like well, you're just extending the
0: suffering. suffering, right
1: to, to 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 what end to hold off your heartbreak and, until. Right. For a month or two.
0: Meanwhile, your heart is still breaking because you're watching your child suffer.
1: Right. I don't know, I, I give uh, Jane Danson all, all the props that she deserves for, right. for her performance. Oh ah, yes,
0: she's playing this very well.
1: She doing very well. I, I, have, I have reservations about the character's motivations during this because she was like this and then she seemed to to come round a few weeks ago and mm-hmm. now she's, go- she's reverted back to this
0: Yes, I don't like it
1: uh, inability to listen to people Right I think Steve actually deserves more than a, a pat in the back Absolutely for his, uh, his performances here he's been quite understated and gnawing mm-hmm. on his uh, fingernails and his knuckles a little bit and, and chewing
0: his lip mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: He's done a good job yes. and like I said, I, I enjoyed Nick's performance although I don't think he's reacting to what we think he's reacting to.
0: Right. And I mean, that's the beauty of that performance is that we as the audience know that there's a lot more going on than meets the eye for him. And I think that makes it better.
1: Our next storyline this morning (sighs) on your Todd on Monday, Mary bumps into Billy. Sean has filled Mary in on Kel and asks how Paul took the news. Billy wants to be sure who the John Doe is. And Mary thinks he and Paul could help in their inquiries. Or if not, Mary would be happy to help. Every Cagney needs a Lacey, she says. In other words, she's bored doing what she's doing.
0: Right. I I like that though. Which one would be Cagney and which one would be Lacey? Which one was which?
1: Cagney was the... Cagney was a blonde, right? That was... she was a kind of sassy... Yeah. Glamorous Billy. And then Tyne Daly played yeah. Lacey, yep. who was a kind of Brooklyn yeah. married to M- Hoyvey.
0: Mary, Mary would be Tyne Daly, yes. The brilliant Tyne Daly.
1: Billy and Mary turn up at the station. Sharon Gless, I think, was Cagney.
0: Mm.
1: I don't know why that's in my brain. <laughs> For what reason is that hanging about in my brain? Just in, case I need it. just in case I need it now. Right, yes. I'm done with it. I can go away now. <laughs> so Billy and Mary turn up to the station to talk about the body in the canal. Billy might know who it is. After the visit, Billy is no further forward, uh, but the police have said that they'll be in touch. Mary thinks Paul deserves the truth, which Paul overhears because he's just around the corner. Right, of truth course about what? So in the community garden, Billy has told Paul, who doesn't appear to have taken the news too well. Paul is expecting a phone call then. This was finished. Kel should have left it alone, and now that he's dead, he's still fucking with Paul's brain. Paul leaves, he needs some time alone. At Gemma's, Bernie is berating her daughter for ironing baby clothes. There's just no need. And then there's a knock at the door and it's Billy. He's there looking for Paul, who hasn't been answering his phone. He's forced to explain what happened. Bernie thinks that he just needs time to clear his head, but good riddance to bad rubbish as far as Kel's concerned. And Mary's talking to her flowers outside the florist when Paul comes by with a carryout. He's already nine sheets to the wind and she tells him it's not the answer and explains that she's a survivor too. Mary says there might not be right answers but that doesn't mean that you have to embrace the wrong ones. But Paul is too pissed that Billy lied to him. And Billy finds Paul in the community garden. Billy knows that this is going to be difficult to deal with but Paul thinks otherwise. He hopes that Kell is dead. Forgiveness might be Billy's deal but it isn't Paul's and he's happy to piss on Kell's grave.
0: Yeah. Paul makes multiple references to Billy's boss. Yes. <laughs> Referring to the man upstairs.
1: The, the archdeacon. <laughs> <laughs> or whoever. Right. On Wednesday, Billy and Paul are arguing outside. Billy begs not to be shut out. Paul says they don't know if it was Kel and if it was, he'd be glad. Then some weird guy shows up wanting a word with Paul. And then we see I don't He's know. He's a
0: detective of some sort. Yeah.
1: Billy's on the phone to Bernie telling tell him. Tell him
0: Get over get, here. Get over
1: here. And meanwhile, the weird guy is the fuzz. He's attempting to quiz Paul about Kel. The body is Kel's, and he's been dead for months. Paul isn't surprised that somebody wanted to kill him. Who said anything about murder, says the copper. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, Benny's turned up and calls this harassment. Paul isn't impressed that Billy called her. The copper seems satisfied for now, and on his way, uh, Bernie let slip that Kel was a pedo. Again, Paul isn't impressed. That Bernie's given this information to the police. Well the police already knew that. Yeah. And he's further not impressed when his vicar boyfriend fails to read the room and wants to talk about forgiveness. He storms off, he's got work to do. Like nobody wants Paul to just do his, with job. his job. Billy <laughs> well, catches up with Bernie in the rovers, he can't get a hold of Paul again, and Bernie says that he'll have gone into himself to work this out on his own. Billy thinks his reaction to the murder thing was weird, and Benny takes offence at this. What exactly are you implying? She asks, and he backs off, but looks like he very clearly thinks that Paul is responsible for Kell's death. Mm-hmm. And later, Billy, who doesn't work at the factory, is at the factory bugging Paul's tits at work. What's wrong? Why did he assume that Kell had been murdered? He needs to know. Paul doesn't believe this. What happened to Faith? If Billy must know, the thing that is eating Paul more than anything is the police sleeping the action now. When they did fuck all when Kell was abusing kids. Billy, who really should know better, Fair tries, point to, tries to play devil's advocate and this does not go down well. No. It why never is, does. Why's Billy been... Oh, why yeah. Why's Billy been such an annoying asshole during all this?
0: Because because that's what Billy does.
1: He needs a fucking slap. <laughs> Him and his fucking man bag. Like, it's kind of everywhere. Hey. My man bag's much nicer than that. It's actually faulty pieces.
0: It really it's, is. I keep thinking it's a cat I keep thinking there's a cat in the room but it's your man bag
1: Outside this office there's a bit of wool on the floor Uh that I think is a spider every time I walk out of here (laughs) The answer to that is pick it up On Friday
0: A spider actually did wander into the bathroom the other day when I was on the toilet It just like walked in like underneath the door You
1: expected it to drive?
0: And I said, not today, Satan, and just, like, pushed it into Benny's soccer gear. It was uh, still on the floor of the bathroom. So Benny's going to get a surprise during his game today.
1: Right. Billy's actually doing some vickering on Friday, uh, consulting a thesaurus uh, rather than a dictionary. Paul is still pissed that Billy could think that he was a murderer, which Billy denies ever thinking, which makes him a liar.
0: Right. And he's also, for some reason, very pissed about the dictionary. (laughs)
1: Up comes Craig in his Bobby's uniform. He's got some news. The police can't be bothered looking into this anymore and Kel's death has been treated as an accident. Mm-hmm. Craig, Craig leaves and Paul mentions how relieved he was when Craig explained about the accident. Billy says... Right,
0: yeah, because Craig sits down and we don't get to hear it, but Craig sits down and, and explains exactly what was on the CCTV the night that Kel hit his head and fell in the canal and nobody could be bothered to look at the <laughs> CCTV right. until they fished him out months later. Mm-hmm. What?
1: So they've sat What's the point
0: of CCTV if nobody looks at it to see that somebody's fallen in the canal?
1: Somebody sat through months of CCTV footage, footage to find. Kale, fall-
0: he hit his that head. A little, That's a drunk.
1: That seems like <laughs> a little far fetched, doesn't
0: it? Fast forward.
1: That was your job. <laughs> I don't
0: know. I don't know either. And how, how could they tell that that was Kel? Because CCTV's not the greatest at, you know, recognizing facial features, always. Hmm.
1: Hmm. Right, so Craig leaves and Paul mentions how relieved Billy was when Craig explained about the accident. Billy says he just knows that Paul needs to get things off his chest, but Paul, who has told Billy to back off a million times, isn't interested take your thesaurus and shove it up your arse. Right! Right, Up Up your your arse! So Billy and his man bag burst into the rovers looking for Paul. Jenny says, you've just missed him, so Billy and his man bag give chase. (laughs) (laughs) There's a passage of time between those two uh, scenes that I don't think I explained well.
0: That's fine.
1: So later, it's a lot calmer when Billy finds Paul at home. He's been reading Billy's sermon. Mm -hmm. Billy wasn't judging, he was just asking that isn't true. Uh, Paul explains that he really is finding uh, Kel's death hard, and Billy thinks it's okay to grieve. I don't think this is grief. Paul, I think a little bit of it is grief. Billy,
0: I think a little bit of as as Billy points out, yes, this man did horrible, horrible things to you, but at some at one point, you genuinely thought you were in love with him. So, I can understand why there would be why it would be really kind of awful because this is. Person was horrible to you, but you're also sad they're dead.
1: People complain that we don't see enough of Billy doing vicar type duties.
0: Yes, I complain about it all the time.
1: And I think the reason that we don't see it is he comes across as a sanctimonious asshole every time he tries to do something that's kind of vicarish.
0: Well, that's because he does, he tries to do things that are vicarish with his own family. As opposed to, you know, people who genuinely need it and are seeking him out for it.
1: Billy is his worst Billy when he's vicaring. He's so much better when he's not (sighs) vicaring. He annoyed the hell out of me this week.
0: Yeah, he wasn't really vicaring, though. He was talking, you know, he was trying to console Paul, you know. He wasn't,
1: though. He was trying to force Paul to do something that he didn't want to do, which was admit.
0: Which is something Billy has done in the past as well. With Paul, let's be honest. Why is Paul still with this guy? Right. Because remember, it was Billy who pushed and pushed and pushed until Paul admitted to his mother and sister that Kel had been abusing him. This is what Billy does.
1: He pushes people who don't want to be pushed. Right. So now Paul has pushed so far that he's been the person that Billy wants him to be. But Paul didn't want to be that.
0: No, and now Billy realizes he didn't want it either. Because now oh. Paul is angry is an angry and hurt person who doesn't want to have anything to do with Billy.
1: Well it, it kind of finishes up with Ish. them kind of resetting a little bit. Yeah, but still. That that Billy's won because Paul's admitting that he is kind of grieving. Right. And later on Billy will keep on pushing until right. Paul finds it in his heart to forgive Kel. Right. Which he absolutely does not need to do.
0: No. Yeah. It's still very weird that they're in a relationship together and Paul is an atheist. That that seems like it seems like that might be a deal breaker for a vicar. You know? Also, I mean living in sin, but
1: <laughs> Your hole's your hole. Can Get your hole where you can find it. Don't ask too many questions. Thanks. Your hole's your hole. Wow. It's a universal truth. <laughs> Talking of which. Later. Our next storyline <laughs> Our next storyline this morning is Getting Your Sinkhole. <laughs> oh, uh, that's another long one. Oh, on Monday, Ray Weinstein bumps into David and Shona, who apparently are the only guests in his hotel. Ray offers them a room again tonight, but David needs to get things sorted out. Ray offers his book of builders contractors, and David is grateful, and privately Shona is confused. Isn't Ray a sleazebag? David can't make up his mind anymore. David decides to call his insurance company, Fully Standing and Devs, while Shona is powerless looking at cat videos on her phone. <laughs> the insurance won't pay out unless there's structural damage to the house, and Shona finds this hilarious. The water guy turns up at number eight because he's forgotten his hard hat. David.
0: Yeah. Right? Hmm.
1: Is he going to need that hard hat? You'd think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. <clears throat> David fills Very him convenient. in on the insurance Exhausted. conversation. Yeah. And then announces a plan that if the insurance doesn't pay out, he'll sue the developer. No can do, says the water guy. The developer's dead. So. It
0: really? And David doesn't check, you know, doesn't double check that this is true and that there's not, you know, a chain of command because the developer may be dead, but that doesn't necessarily mean the company that the developer worked for when he developed it doesn't exist. Yeah. Or that there's not somebody who is in charge of these developments after the developer died. Mm. Somebody, somebody's responsible somewhere. And David just takes this guy's word for it. It's like, well, how do you know? Right. How do you know? Were you Water look- guy? Well, yeah. Aye.
1: <laughs> I- Water guy's a sewer guy, right? They're one and the same, I think. I guess.
0: <laughs> it doesn't sound appetizing, but I guess. <laughs> no.
1: David turns up to speak with Ray. Ray says insurers are like uh, pinning jelly to a wall. David thinks there's nothing uh, they're going to do until the structural guys have assessed it. David asks for a room again and Ray is happy to oblige, and offers David a beer, which he somewhat reluctantly agrees to. So they're enjoying their beers as David talks about Barney, his best friend buried in the garden. It was a rabbit. And Ray uh-huh. laughs and gets uh-huh. another couple of beers out, but he's looked kind of vaguely interested for a the moment there. And he brings up the subject to money. He can't be earning because of sorting all the shit out. Ray has a proposition for David. He can put in a word... Uh, with a mate in the property game. David asks what's going on. Free beers? Free hotel? A mate that'll buy a house that's sliding down a hole? What's really going on here? And Ray's impressed that David has saw through this. He explains that thanks to Michelle and Bethany, everyone thinks that he's a total cunt. He's hoping that doing doing the right thing by David, maybe the locals will start frequenting his businesses again. David isn't convinced buy a wreck of a house to sell some dodgy lasagna. Ray insists that he's on the up and up and David says he'll think about it.
0: Yeah. Plenty of people go in there for their takeaways during the pandemic. This is so full of shit.
1: On Wednesday, David, who doesn't work at the factory, is at the factory explaining the, the conversation that he had with Ray about buying the house to Sarah. Sarah's suspicious, but David thinks it's a PR exercise and the engineer is going to come out today. So we don't see that, thankfully, and the engineer has been, and David, Connors, Adam and Dev's looking for advice, but everything that Adam suggests is something that David's already tried and got fuck all out of. The engineer says the insurance won't pay out because there's no damage to the house. Right. The water company blame the developer. The developer's dead, but someone's got to be liable, and it's not David. Adam is fresh out of ideas. I don't think he's really thinking too hard about this. No. Good luck, David, he says. So Nina is clearing sauce off Ray's windows, but not like that. Raised Roy's she, windows. What did I say? He said Ray. Nina is cleaning sauce off Ray's windows I've said that again. <laughs> Nina is cleaning sauce off Roy's windows, but not like that. She and Shona chat about the other night. Shona didn't get her hold, but she enjoyed hanging out with David. He makes her feel safe and she does have feelings for him. Nina tells him Nina tells her to tell David and Shona looks made up after initially looking very confused. Meanwhile, David is back with Ray Weinstein. Ray gives him Roxy's card. David doesn't have much of a choice here and off he goes and Ray gets a call from this Roxy and Ray tells her how to play the conversation she's about to have with David. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is getting very intriguing. Mm-hmm. David, who in the last half hour hasn't secured a job at the factory, is at the factory telling <laughs> Sarah that he's selling up. She thought he was joking and doesn't know how he can sell the house from under her and the kids and Gail. Boohoo says David, and then tells her that it's safe to move back into the house because there's no damage to it. Right. Shula drops in on David at number eight. She enjoyed sleeping next to him last night. She felt protected with him, and feels protected in this house. And then they talk about a, a kiss she. that they almost had, uh, that they didn't, which was—it's kind of icky. But she's still kind of this other character, and and a little brain damaged, and they're talking about getting the hold of each other.
0: Which they haven't done yet, but she keeps wanting to. Right. And it's kind of a joke now.
1: She offers him sex again, and when he says, not right now, she tells him that she wants to move back into number eight. Oh, pig's tits, says David, because I'm about to sell this fucking thing. So David is waiting in the bistro when Ray Weinstein comes in. How did it go with Roxy? he asks. Yeah, good, says David, but do apologise to her for mucking her about. Ray's confused. David's decided not to sell for complicated personal reasons. Ray thinks he should be jumping at the offer. It's a heart. It's a heart-over-head thing, says David. He thanks Ray again and leaves. And Ray is fucking furious at this.
0: Which is hilarious. I love that.
1: Oh, he walks off towards the camera and you can see the...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not happy at all. Not happy.
1: He really wanted number eight. For whatever reason.
0: He wants the whole... He wants the whole street. Eventually. I think. (laughs) Why? He wants to do something. Why? I don't know. Remember the plans that Bethany saw? Mm Mm-hmm. And involved, like, all of the street for some reason. Because he already owns Kev's shop, Mm -hmm. remember? And by by proxy, Gary's furniture business, which is part of that same building. Then he's just knocking them all out bit by bit. I don't know. Maybe he's going to knock the whole street down and build a huge hotel conglomerate there because obviously he has all this money and he has so many so many very impressive buildings five-star hotels all, all the over place. the place <laughs> and yet he's always in the office of the bistro <laughs> right
1: on friday shona wants her hole again and then finds some documentation that she's able to understand has something to do with selling the house it's nothing says david and he throws it in the bin and later shona wonders how david is going to pay for that sinkhole and David says that he has a plan, and that's as far as we get with that this week.
0: Do you think David has a plan? I
1: can't see them. I can't see them moving out of there. No, no. That house is going to stay. Yes. Ray's not going to be able to get his mitts on it for no. whatever reason. No, they're going to have to fill it in somehow.
0: Yeah. What about the council? Shouldn't the council be responsible for this in some way?
1: I don't know it's private property.
0: Like when there's an earthquake.
1: Well, it's the government that steps in there. It's not the fucking council that steps in, is it?
0: Right. Well, where is the government then? Who is mayor now? (laughs) (laughs) We know it's not Sally anymore. Somebody has to be mayor. Somebody has to come in and say, right, well, this is very concerning. And, you know, we're going to get an archaeological team out here and, you know, and geologists and figure out why the sinkhole opened up in this particular place. And whether or not... Because you'd think that the community... There doesn't seem to be any concern.
1: Nobody gives a shit.
0: Nobody cares about this sinkhole behind number 8. When... If this sinkhole is opened up behind under number 8. What stands to reason? That it could open up anywhere on the street. And oh. that everybody should be concerned about this.
1: Or expand a little bit. Right. There's not a single cone <laughs> to... Cordon it off.
0: There's no caution tape.
1: No, there should be at least somebody standing in a fluorescent jacket next to it, right, warning people away. And it doesn't seem
0: like David has called anybody in a fluorescent jacket who's in a position of authority to to, to actually do anything about this.
1: I saw some comments on this uh, in various places uh, last week that don't think we mentioned that when it happened, nobody seemed nobody seemed entirely surprised. <laughs> I like think the first thing that David did was just put his hands in his hips and frown and look into it.
0: Right. Because and and but that was because he thought Shona was down there. But then once Shona shows up with her banana <laughs> Oh, it's all right then. Nobody died. It's imagine, fine.
1: Imagine all the things that have gone in your in your life, all the, the, the backstabbing and the uh the the murder and the violence and the mental health problems and the, the, the 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 relationships that have that have uh, broken up and your bereavements and and your your own struggles with uh, with your own temper and your imagine all those things that you have that must have gone on in your your life to be so jaded at a sinkhole in your backyard that the the most emotion you can muster <laughs> is to put your hands in your hips and frown. <laughs> Boy, has been through a lot. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Our next story today is Dev's Woes. Oh. On Monday, in the store, Dev... Explo- oh, we're
0: calling it Dev's Woes now and not Asha's next heartbreaking storyline?
1: No, I think we moved on. I think it's Dev's Woes now. Huh. I meant to change that and I obviously couldn't be bothered because I also didn't write an intro. Which means that I haven't written an outro.
0: It's fine. You'll
1: be fine. In the store, Dev complains about Asha's lack of respect to David and... Well, not, David? Not, not, he's explaining to David about Asha's lack of respect, as a better okay. way of phrasing that, and wanting to move out. David thinks it's all bravado. So Asha and Addy 2.0 are chatting at home. She's still adamant that she's out here as soon as she's 16. She teases, he teases her about it a bit and then tries to remind her that Dev isn't the prick that she, she's making him out to be. Seriously? Asha, Asha thinks Mary brought them up. Addy doesn't blame Dev for freaking out. The two of them argue about who Dev prefers out the two of them, and then she leaves to go to complain to Nina. That's quite funny that each of them thinks that Dev's the, the other's favourite. Right. She misses her mum, which Nina can relate to. Uh, when a parent lives in your head, they can do no wrong. Right. Oh, such sense coming from Nina. Absolutely. It worked out for her better when Nina realised this. She recommends giving Dev the benefit of the doubt. Trashing a relationship over a boy is pretty stupid. Talk to him like an adult. Dev comes home and is suspicious when Asha says hello. She wants to talk about things and so does he. He has a spreadsheet about how much it's going to cost to move out. He assumes they'll be renting and neither of them will be going to uni because they'll, be, uh, they'll have rent to pay so they'll be on minimum wage which means a flat above the corner shop. He's done the sums and she seems surprised that she'd have outgoings. She thinks that he thinks she's stupid and trying to scare her out of it but he's just adding flesh to the bones and he's treating her like she wants to be treated like an adult. She says ITV Corey's folks are minted and they'll set him up. They're not losers like him. Not like the failure, the failure that Dave has become. Ugh. He suggests they phone them to discuss, but she says if he does, she'll never speak to him again.
0: Right, which means that she's, he's basically just called her bluff there. Right. Because if ITV Corey's parents were so wealthy, why is he still going to public school? <laughs> Whereas she's going to this really expensive, you know, private school. Because of all of this stuff that she's gotten into. She's the reason he's skint. Mm-hmm. So, of all the gall. Oh, but she
1: didn't ask him to do any of that. But still. In fact, she didn't really want to go to the public school anyway because it didn't make any difference because. Yeah, the private all... school. Yeah, because been different mm. things, but whatever. Because they already knew about the whole sex tape thing. Right. Yeah. So, that served no purpose.
0: Right. It's, but and
1: then I don't know if what I don't know who he's paying to keep this off the internet,
0: right? This, just to wipe things this, once they show, you know, when they pop up.
1: Internet fairy,
0: yeah, which do exist. There are people that you know you can pay to improve your standings on the internet. You know, to take embar to wipe out embarrassing stories and drown them in good stories and take things down I, so. wish
1: I, I wish I'd known about that
0: but anyway <laughs> yes there are so many embarrassing stories about you on the internet Gav There's it's a just few. basically just videos of you singing Britney Spears songs <laughs> in karaoke bars which is endearing and you don't think
1: I want that wiped? no I don't, I tell people about that, I don't care <laughs>
0: <laughs> but still, it's just ugh I, I carry and a tune
1: better than you'd think
0: you do, you do you're very well <laughs> When she said that whole thing about him being skint and, like, the way her face changes, you know, and how genuinely mean she is to her dad, I just gasped. Mm -hmm. Because that was awful.
1: It's a change of character thing again. Yeah. We talked about this last week.
0: And yes, okay, you know, Dev's not really doing very many favors with this whole spreadsheet thing. Although, you know, he is trying to show her the reality here. Mm -hmm. Because... I, you know, I seriously doubt I seriously doubt ITV Corey has told his parents that he and Asha are going to move out together. I seriously doubt that ITV that Asha has told ITV Corey that they're going to move out together, because he's not in the room when she tells that to Dev. I,
1: I very much doubt that ITV Corey uh, has told his parents that he's even seen anybody. Right. Because as far as he's concerned, he's just getting his hole.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Because apparently they're 15 and what plans do you make at 15 that actually come to any kind of fruition? None.
0: <laughs> do you remember what you wanted to be when you were 15?
1: I wanted to be a long distance lorry driver.
0: Really? At 15?
1: Mm-hmm. I just loved the idea of just driving around the, around the country. I still do.
0: Yeah. We drive around the country a lot. Mm-hmm. You just don't get paid for
1: it. <laughs> Our next story, what, what were your uh, ambitions at 15? I
0: don't even remember.
1: To move in with ITV, Colin. <laughs> no. uh,
0: probably hook up with Christian Slater or something.
1: That's Christian Slater, the actor. Yes. Not hook up with Christians Slater. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that too. Just to be
1: clear. I'm next to line today.
0: I wanted to be a veterinarian still, I think. Oh, really? I, yeah. Until I realized how much math is involved. <laughs> I hate math.
1: See, it's not your strong point, my dear No Mary versus the Shuttleworth On Wednesday, Mary is complaining to Emma About George Shuttleworth, the funeral director It seems his usual floor is let him down And Mary jumped in to rescue the situation He was an ungrateful shite about it Emma gives him the benefit of the doubt But Mary has seen his like before Let's see where his chiseled, his chiseled chin And sparkling eyes get him the next time He needs a gladioli italicus At short notice Mm -hmm. Mary descends on the rovers for some hot pot but Emma has been so rushed that she's forgotten to put it in but not like that Mary says that she was once told that she's so lucky that if she bought a cemetery people would stop dying this gets us back onto George who Mary says isn't as chivalrous as Archie but he does have broad shoulders and and Mary chooses this moment to moisturise her hands (laughs) and look wistfully into the ether Emma sees right through it Mm -hmm. Mary says that he's obnoxious Emma thinks that there's nothing wrong with a bad boy. So maybe she just thinks that she hates him. Bollock says Mary. Then then comes George to apologise for the morning. She accepts his apology. And as he's about to leave, he complains about the droopiness of her flowers.
0: And I did not see a chiselled chin or broad shoulders or, or sparkling eyes.
1: I, I thought he does have uh, broad shoulders. Does he? Uh, well, I'm giving him the benefit of do. <laughs> the doubt. The chiselled chin, not so much. It's <coughs> a kind of rounded chin and i did not really get a good look at his eyes
0: I think maybe his shoulders are broad but because he's because of the shape of the rest of him it kind of balances out but still it seems like it seems like we might be getting finally a romantic storyline for mary and so i'm happy about it right yeah That's, i'm all for i'm all for mary getting her whole
1: i was so and it, they do this well because this is so potentially ridiculously rude. But she gets away with it. Mm-hmm. When she just squirts the moisturiser <laughs> in her hand, it's like, is this symbolising anything at all? Are we thinking about something here? Oh, oh it smells awful. You know, just.
0: You were a dirty bird, you know that? That's what it was, wasn't it?
1: She's making all these wistful, romantic notions and then squatch something yes, in her hand. Yes,
0: because ejaculation is so romantic. You're such a dude. Well, of
1: course, but it's. don't you think that's what it was representing? No. It's, it was just coincidence then that she chooses to moisturize her hands at this point.
0: Well, no, but I don't think it's meant to symbolize what you think it symbolizes. I think it's just, you know. It, it
1: can symbolize one or two things. And both of them are, are, are of the saucy nature.
0: Right, yeah. I think you are more saucy than the show is. Let's put it that way. Our penultimate storyline today. Thank God.
1: <laughs>
0: Timbot 4000 says the six episodes a week fishes for the birds.
1: Yeah, you said that already, but it's, it's it bears repeating. Eh. On Wednesday, Daniel and Adam are comparing notes on which of them is the saddest. Daniel (laughs) offers to help Adam out in the office, but he needs to nip into town first and promises to be there in the afternoon. And later, they have a boring conversation outside the office and then they go in. Mm -hmm. Later, still, they're at Speed Dial and Adam's flat is so quiet, he heard mice last night and he invites Daniel over for an online pub quiz tomorrow.
0: With the mice. (sighs) On Friday. And and then then Adam does seem a little bit wistful by the fact that Sarah's not there to... To kill yeah. the mice. Timbot four thousand says Daniel and Adam together is always high octane stuff comedic pause not. Oh. What? Timbot <laughs> four thousand says Daniel and Adam together is always high octane stuff comedic pause not.
1: High octane stuff, comedic pause not. Uh, not
0: not your best stuff there, Timbot. <laughs> <laughs> not your best stuff. What are you
1: looking at me for? I, always, anyway. I, I hate it when people say not.
0: But you do it all the time. I don't
1: do it all the time. I never do it. I never do it. I never do it because it annoys me so much because it's a reference back to Wayne's World from 1991 or 1992. And it wasn't funny then.
0: People reference... It was funny.
1: It was People reference.
0: Funny half of that movie you didn't understand because there were cultural references to American things that you'd never seen before it was like so high
1: it was so highbrow but <laughs> no, I, I it got was the not thing bro. say something you don't believe leave a pause then say not you've got to be fucking kidding <laughs> me is that, is that our guy?
0: no because he'd been doing Janet's yard first oh okay alright go
1: On Friday, Nikki bumps into. Did I finish complaining about that? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So on Friday, Nikki bumps into Daniel outside the cabin. They share some awkward small talk, and then Daniel asks her for a coffee. She's not sure that's a great idea, but he insists that it is, and you can tell that Nikki is now a little bit hot to trot with Daniel, which irritates me so much. Coffee turns out to be a takeout from the Rovers. Amy has Bertie today, because somebody's always got Bertie today. Daniel. Why does
0: uh, Amy have Bertie? (laughs) <laughs> I thought Beth had Bertie.
1: That was that was the day before. Oh. Daniel and Nicky chat about how Adam is Daniel's older nephew, and they leave out the back just as Kirk comes in, wondering if what he saw was a date. Beth's going to go spare. So and Kirk has enlisted None Craig. of your fucking business! <laughs> Kirk has enlisted Craig to investigate Daniel and Nicky. Craig thinks he recognises her, while Beth, over the phone, tells Kirk to go over so he'll be introduced to her. And Craig definitely knows her from somewhere, but he goes off to think about it.
0: Yeah, and Craig initially is the one... Craig says, go over and introduce yourself. And Kirk says, no, I'm not going to do that. And then Beth tells him to do it. And that's when he does it. After he takes a picture of her to share with Beth. Because none of this is their fucking business.
1: (laughs) So Kirk goes over and there's a rubbish detective. But he gets her name uh, as Nikki. And in an attempt to piss Kirk off or shock him, she seems to declare what her occupation is. Kirk explains that Beth just worries. It's none of anyone's business, says Daniel, who passes his child from pillar to post so he can hang it with a sex worker Then Nikki fucks off to get, to get shagged off one of her regulars, and Daniel is not happy about this.
0: Yeah, and she she makes mention of the fact that the reason why she's in the neighbourhood is because one of her regulars, who lives in the area, had a birthday. Well it was a
1: friend who had a birthday. I
0: thought it was a client. No, it was a friend. Hmm. She has another friend who lives in the area?
1: Yeah.
0: Who just had a birthday. Mm-hmm. And she has a regular client who lives on the street, who's not Daniel.
1: Oh, she has a regular client who lives nearby, maybe not in the street. Hmm. You think it's Tim's dad? Quite possibly. I was wondering if there's going to be some sort of crossover here because the the Venn diagram that you draw of Tim's dad and Nicky does, d- does have a little right. intersection, doesn't it? Yeah. Labeled sex workers. Yes. That does not bear thinking about.
0: No. Ugh.
1: Not enough lube in the world. <sighs> okay.
0: Hey, Any port in the storm?
1: Your hole's your hole. So this was boring.
0: <laughs> the whole Kirk and Beth bit of it just really annoyed me because I
1: know, I like that bit. That was the bit that I liked out of this.
0: Because Sinead's dead.
1: This this is true.
0: And Daniel has hung out with Nikki multiple times. Has been on the street with Nikki multiple times. And Mm. now
1: all of a sudden... not sure multiple's right.
0: Well, he's had her over.
1: Yeah, Kirk and Beth don't know anything about it. Nobody knows about it. I don't right. you about it.
0: Right. But still, it's just, I don't know. It just, it was kind of annoying and i am I'm glad you liked it. And it's also annoying, you know, Craig <laughs> being, oh, I know I recognize her from somewhere because like the implication seems to be by Craig and that lawyer that Adam bumped into the other day that... Being a sex worker means that you automatically have a relationship with the police. Yeah,
1: she's getting lifted all the time for prostitution. Right. What's your problem with that?
0: It... I don't know. It just... It it, it makes it seem seedier than than I think it is in this situation. You know, it's not like she's a streetwalker. It's not like she's getting high you know and it's not like she has a john or not a john a uh, pimp or something it's not like she's walking around the street wearing stilettos and fishnets and smoking and so the attire makes a difference <laughs> well partly i can't remember there was a sitcom in the 80s and i can't remember which one did this where oh it was murphy brown there was an episode of Murphy Brown where where she goes undercover as as a sex worker she and the the other lady who works in the newsroom and um and they dress up like streetwalkers but it's actually, you know, the more professional ladies who dress normal or not normal, but you know what I mean?
1: I don't know what you mean.
0: You know, they walk no, into they walk into this party where they're supposed to be undercover to get a scoop for some sort of story. I think there's like a politician who's paying sex workers and stuff and their their contact is is dressed in a suit and it's hilarious because they're they've got their like hair feathered up and lots of hairspray and you know, being stereotypical and it just it feels like in this storyline with the Nikki character Corey is being very, very narrow in threading that needle between the stereotypical idea of a sex worker and, you know, what many sex workers are and are trying to do, saying what we do is legitimate work and we shouldn't be constantly arrested for it and it should be legalized and and monitored and all this other stuff, you know what I'm saying?
1: Not at all. Okay. Our final storyline tonight is about Abby. This morning. On Wednesday, Kev is heading somewhere for something and he's going to be gone for a couple of days and he's taking Jack with him. Oh, pig's tit, says Abby, because that means that she's going to be left in the house with Debbie. like
0: a track tournament or something. Something like
1: that. Play nice, says Kev. And then uh, Debbie sees Peter coming out of the store and Debbie once again gets to see something, something going on and exchange glances between him and Abby. And Dave, Sally's doing her best to sing Abby's praises to Debbie. The edginess is a defence mechanism to give you something to dislike about her, just in case you do actually dislike her. When pressed, Sally admits that there was a thing between her and Peter, but now it's all water under the bridge and it was before Kevin's time. There's nothing going on now, and Debbie needs to look out for her brother, she says, Mm -hmm. now that she's here.
0: It was so much nicer when when he was with you, Sally, says Debbie. And Sally says, well better off now (laughs) with my bigamist husband with the abusive father-in-law.
1: I'm pretty sure they hated each other at the time. Then Abby is in the rovers looking for Peter. Emma hasn't seen him and then goes off to fetch Abby's hotpot. She calls Peter, this is Abby, who calls Peter and leaves a desperate message saying that she's killing for a fix. So who comes in but Debbie? Debbie says that Sally was singing her praises and Debbie might have got Abby wrong and she wants to start again. But Abby can't. Debbie hadn't got it wrong. She had it right all along. She says that she's a fucking disaster zone and she runs out. Son's hot pot. Yes. Back at home, Abby is still obviously in distress. She has something to tell Debbie. She's redeveloped a problem. She explains about what happened with the morphine and stealing a bottle and Peter saving her from drinking it.
0: Taking a swig of morphine.
1: She doesn't want to mess this up with Kev, but he knows he'll have to chuck her out because of Jack. Debbie listens and then insists that they get some fresh air out of the house, and Abby does as as she's told. So in the community garden, Debbie tells Abby that she needs to tell Kev. She's done harder things than this. Kev knows all about her past and he still loves her. Give him some credit. And Abby seems to agree to this. Yes. On Friday, Peter finally catches up with Abby outside the shop. She explains how close she came to relapsing, but Debbie was there for her. She only intended to tell her a little bit, but the can of worms opened up and it was Wormageddon. Peter's worried that she'll tell Kev, but that's Abby's job to do today. She thinks that he'll dump her. Peter's worried that Kev's going to find out why.
0: Because he doesn't he want says, so well, Abby to get dumped?
1: I don't know. He seemed to be want to cover his back a little bit there. Is it with him and Carla?
0: Yeah.
1: I don't understand that. Anyway. No. Kev gets home and Jack immediately disappears upstairs to play Xbox, unseen.
0: Right, yes. Mm. Uh-huh.
1: We didn't hear anybody running up the stairs. No. Jack's not there. <laughs> with with one leg. <laughs> Hopping up. No, that's no, that's not. That's that's cruel. Kev's missed Abby. There's some sophisticated misdirection here as Abby and Debbie talk about getting the hot chocolate when what they're really talking about is Abby telling Kev. No need to do it right away, says Abby and Debbie. Abby and Debbie, Abby so, and close Debbie. To, so close together, seems to bite the inside of her cheek. Kev goes off to get Jack's kit washed and Debbie immediately pounces. Get him tilt. Abby wants just one last supper with Kev before he dumps her.
0: One last supper.
1: So Kev and Abby are in the speed dial and Kev is waxing lyrical about a holiday in Mexico. Abby isn't so sure. It's not all drugs and violence, says Kev.
0: <laughs> Great. Ay ay ay. aye,
1: aye. Aye, caramba. No,
0: no, that's not, that's not what I said.
1: They continue to chat as Peter comes in and he nods at Abby, which Kev spots. What did I say, says Peter. And Kev's confused. What did you say? And Abby says that she bet Peter that they would get there before he did. But Kev doesn't think that makes sense because she didn't have a chance to tell Peter.
0: And also it doesn't make sense. No,
1: yeah. Abby confesses that she has something to tell Kev and he's not going to like it. They go home for
0: <laughs> They're sitting at speed doll. She says, I have something to tell you and you're not gonna like it. But first let's finish eating, pay our bill, and then walk home, and then I'll tell you They
1: don't finish eating because they've still got the Oh I think they've got their little leftovers. Yeah, they've got their
0: they? leftovers. So let's take let's let's call the waiter over and get our takeaway. Get this bagged up. Get this bagged up, pay the bill, and then leave. Walk home. And then I'll tell you. No, you tell him right then and there. And
1: she ex- what? Well, she explains about the accident and the morphine and how she's using again.
0: But she's, she's no. not.
1: And she stole a bottle from the hospital. She has meetings and stuff, but it's so hard. You're back on drugs, says Kev. No. I'll pack me bags, she says. Kev understands that this is down to the twins. Abby says it was one time Abby says it was a one time thing, but it was hard. But Debbie kept her clean yesterday and Peter kept her clean the day before.
0: Right, and she's going to meetings.
1: Kev is upset that she didn't lean on, on him. Everything is easier when someone is looking out for her and he would rather that he was the one to do it. Abby can't believe it. Abby calls him amazing. Then in comes Debbie and she finds out that they've had to talk. An emotional Abby goes off to <laughs> Devs like that. for buckets of booze and no one bats an eyelid.
0: Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've just confessed to you that I'm an addict so let's get drunk.
1: Right. In fact, I'm going to run out of the house now to get booze. That's, that's how desperate I am to do that right now. <laughs> Later, Abby's pissed and promises herself off the booze after tonight and after she manages to open this fucking bottle of wine. Debbie asks after the meetings, and this sets Abby off on a bit of an ill advised rant that culminates in her admitting that Seb would scream at her from time to time for leaving her wraps lying around in the house and not uh, chunky chicken wraps either. No. Heroin wraps. Yes. That uh, the twins could get their hands on. And Kev hears this, and he and Debbie share a concerned look. Yeah,
0: it's like, Abby, you got got what you wanted. What are you doing,
1: girl? Abby passed out on the couch. This lets Debbie and Kev chat openly. Kev didn't think that was the reason why Abby had lost the kids, and now he's worried about Jack. He thought it was a simple case of neglect on Abby's part, (laughs) and he didn't think the kids were in, in danger of getting their mittens on heroin. Abby wakes up and decides to have a bath, thanking Kevin as she heads up the stairs. Debbie thinks Abby is in a different place now. But Kev isn't so sure. And that's how we end this week's episodes.
0: Oh, Oh, for fuck's sake. For fuck's sake, Kev. She's absolutely in a different place. Shut up. You just said, it's okay. I want to support you. I'm here for you. I love you. And then like five minutes later, you're like, well, I don't know about this. What? Ay. aye, aye. I just...
1: He didn't... He knew that she was a heroin addict. Right. Which means that she's going to have heroin.
0: He didn't think when the he, kids were able to get to the heroin? So he's she, worried oops, that uh. she's going to relapse and leave heroin lying around the house for Jack to get? Because apparently Jack is more vulnerable than a couple of toddlers? Mm-hmm. Because, let's remember... When Abby was like this is when the twins were very young. Mm -hmm. Jack's not very young. Jack is not more vulnerable than a pair of toddlers.
1: It seemed that the fact that he's got one leg was coming into this.
0: Right. After after he's just gone to a track meeting (laughs) and and won medals for running.
1: It was also the insinuation that it was all right as so long as all she was doing was neglecting their kids
0: Right, yeah if it was just neglecting, you know Good old fashioned neglect and stuff that's fine, but passing out where the kids could get to her drugs, well that's not fine.
1: Passing out untidily <laughs> Tidy up behind yourself, girl, before you pass out
0: Make sure to put the heroin away before you pass out
1: On a shelf uh, above,
0: yeah. above the height of a toddler's the- head Don't leave any sharps around.
1: Maybe put it in a (laughs) a special uh, kid-proof container. Make
0: sure that spoon cools
1: (laughs) sufficiently before you pass out. What what exactly fairy tale heroin addict does Kev have in his mind here?
0: And she's not on heroin. She took a swig of morphine that, if she had asked the doctors for, they probably would have given her.
1: She doesn't want it, though.
0: She doesn't want it. it. She's already poured it out. She's going to meetings. She's confessed it. She's strong. She's not... The way she explained it really infuriated me, too, because the way she explained it initially made it sound like she was using right then and there. Right. She's using again. Yeah. But she's not. She took a swig of morphine, which is not something you can actually do.
1: I was like, did we miss something? that she injecting again? And no, no, none of that happened.
0: No, she had a moment where she was like, "Oh my god, something bad's going to happen."
1: I'm just concerned that we have two couples here with the uh, with Kevin Abbey and Peter and Carla, and they seem to be that their paths seem to be colliding here. Yeah, and I get a feeling this is going to get a lot messier before it tidies itself up. Yeah. And I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, the Kevin and thing, while well, I was very much a proponent of it and and predicted it and you were poo-pooing it all, all right.
0: the it and like, then and once it is, happened, we were both thing. like,
1: hey. Yeah, I'm not too sure I wanted this to happen anymore. So I don't really, if that fizzles out, I kind of worry about Abby, but I'm not really that invested in the relationship. I do like Peter and Carla together, though. Yeah. I don't want to see that fucked up. Again. Right. Yeah, because that's a kind of case of been there, done that. Right, A they are times. the Ross and Rachel of the show. <laughs> but they, t- they seem to be, or they seemed to be, after that whole uh, Sc- uh, Scotch Vicky thing. That seemed to be the only kind of minor complication in the relationship. It seemed to have just been
0: and that seems on quite to happily. be kind of skated over mm-hmm. thanks to the, oh, Scott and the pandemic. Time. Scott, remember Scott who did come back, and he and Johnny kind of circled around one another and we kind of got an explanation, but not really. And then it's gone again.
1: And then a six episode week. This would have taken two weeks to get through normally, so that would have been uh, like almost a month since passed since since we saw it. Anyway, moment anyway. of the
0: week. <sighs> what was your moment of the week?
1: I think the show wants us to give it to Leanne. Leanne. And while Leanne was, was good, and like uh, we said always, Jane Danson superb performances, very believable the very best, heartbreaking I just didn't feel it was a moment to make and I think it's down to the denial became <sighs> overplayed a little bit
0: mm. which is not her fault no, of course not,
1: it's not her fault at all um I, I think there was a lack of nuance in that, in those episodes from Leanne's point of view. That I think I would have liked to have seen a little bit, just because it.
0: I think it, if there
1: it felt too familiar.
0: I think if there was a moment in that storyline that would be moment of the week, it would be something that involves Nick. Maybe when Leanne says to him. Thank you, thank you for, essentially thank you for lying to me and and thank you for not, you know, confronting me about this because I needed somebody in my court. And you can obviously tell that Nick's head is not even really there with Leanne. I I think Ben Price is the one who has been doing the best acting in that storyline this week because, because he's... Because he's trying to balance these two separate truths in his head, and none of and neither one of them are great for him.
1: Yeah, I, I, yeah, I see where you're coming from, and you can stop making balancing emotions with your hands now. I, I can't help it. <laughs> uh, My hands are the, doing this on their own now. The um the the line share of it is done just through facial expressions and not yeah. even saying anything. Yeah. Yeah, I'd go along with that. Right. So, Ben Price balancing hands.
0: Is <laughs> our... Moment of, of the week. week. Moment of the week.
1: Boring...
0: Moment... Daniel <laughs> and Adam, sad parade.
1: I was watching just... that as I was doing the Timbot <laughs> thing, thinking this is... We kind of joke about it, and it hasn't been... Moment of the week for a couple of weeks, but
0: yeah, Daniel is back on the boring trade, right? And he's and he's dragged Adam along with him, (laughs) he's made Adam boring, he's made a Scotsman boring. It's a that's very difficult to do, it's a
1: black hole of boredom. It's
0: (laughs) (laughs) just sucking it all in,
1: not even light can escape. (laughs) Well done, Daniel. You're our. Boring moment of the week.
0: <laughs> Boring moment. <of> the, week.
1: <laughs> the man's a what you are.
0: And we like to mock him. Uh,
1: and that's still not enough for us <laughs> to give him any sympathy.
0: The only time I felt sympathetic towards Daniel was the whole Kirk thing. It's like, just give him a break. He can sit and have coffee with somebody in the. Nah. Don't, Community garden. Don't
1: give them a break. That's why I enjoyed it. So, if you've ever...
0: Imagine how Beth is going to explode when she finds out that Daniel lets Bertie hang out with a sex worker.
1: It's going to be anger from inside out.
0: Oh, God. That's, that's what caused that sinkhole.
1: <laughs> if you've ever had a mate who's been on holiday to Mexico, <laughs> drop us a line we Talk the Street at gmail.com on email, which is also how you can leave a voicemail on Skype or drop a couple of nuggets into our virtual tip jar on PayPal. We're at Cory Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And please, if you have any inclination whatsoever, leave a rating and review on iTunes and on our Twitter bio, you can find a link to our merch store where you can buy plain white t-shirts with some black writing on them. Thanks for making it to the One end.
0: of which will eventually be, doesn't yeah. work at the factory. Yeah,
1: I'll do that this weekend. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. And we will be back next week with more talk talk the On the street. street.
0: Cheerio. Bye.